Shahadu Allah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Ashhadu anna Muhammadar Rasulullah Hayya ala Allah 
Masih V, Ayyad Ta'ala bin Aziz stated, From the accounts relating to the companions of the Holy Prophet wasallam, today I shall speak about Hazrat Mista bin Usasa. His name was Alf, but he was known by the title of Mista. His mother was Hazrat Umm Mista Salma bin Sakhr, who was the daughter of Raita bin Sakhr the maternal aunt of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. Hazrat Mr. bin Usasa migrated to Mecca along with Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris and his two brothers, Hazrat Tufail bin Haris and Hazrat Hussain bin Haris. Prior to undertaking the journey, it was mutually agreed that they would meet at the valley of Naji. However, Hazrat Mistah bin Usasa was kept behind because he was bitten by a snake during the journey. The following day, when those people who had preceded him came to know about the incident of the snake bite, they went back and then accompanied him to Medina. While in Medina, they all stayed at the house of Hazrat Abdurrahman bin Salama. The Holy Prophet ﷺ established a bond of brotherhood between Hazrat Mista bin Usasa and Hazrat Zayd bin Muzayyin. Hazrat Mista accompanied the Holy Prophet ﷺ in all the battles, including the Battle of Badr. Eight months after the migration, the Holy Prophet ﷺ dispatched Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris with a cavalry consisting of 60 
or according to one report, 80 men. The Holy Prophet ﷺ arranged a white flag for Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris. He made a flag which was held by Hazrat Mistah bin Usasa. The purpose of this expedition was to stop the trade caravan of the Quraysh. Abu Sufyan was the leader of the caravan of the Quraysh. According to some narrations, this caravan was headed by Ikrama bin Abu Jahl, and yet, according to others, it was Mikras bin Hafs. This caravan consisted of 200 people who were transporting trade goods. The party of the companions caught up with the caravan at the valley of Rabik, which was also known as Wuddan. This caravan was not only a trading caravan, but was also laden with weapons. Moreover, the profits of the trade by this caravan were to be used to wage a war against the Muslims. From the events it was proven that they were fully prepared for this. Nonetheless, when these people arrived there, no further confrontation took place between the two parties except the exchange of arrows, nor were there any lines formed for combat. This incident has previously been mentioned while giving the account of another companion. The companion who shot the first arrow from Muslims was Hazrat Saad bin Abi Waqas. This was the first arrow shot on behalf of Islam. At that occasion, Hazrat Migdad bin Aswad and Hazrat Uyayna bin Ghazwan, according to Sira ibn Hisham and Tariq Tabri, it was Utbah bin Ghazwan, broke free from the party of idolaters and joined the Muslims as they had already accepted Islam and desired to join the Muslims. This was the second expedition on behalf of Islam under the leadership of Hazrat Ubaidah bin Haris. After the exchange of arrows, both parties receded. This incident has been mentioned in one of the previous sermons. The idolaters were in such awe of the Muslims that they assumed that the Muslims had a very large army at their disposal. Hence, they went back in fear and the Muslims did not pursue them any further because the goal was not to initiate war. Rather, it was to stop them and to teach them this lesson that if they were to make preparations to fight against the Muslims, then the Muslims were also prepared. During the Battle of Khaybar, the Holy Prophet ﷺ gave grains weighing 50 wasak, i.e. a unit of weight, to Hazrat Mistah and Ibn Ilyas. In those days, it was custom to give from the spoils of war. In Tabqatul Kubra, it has been recorded that he passed away at the age of 56 in the 34th year after Hijrah during the Caliphate of Hazrat Usman. It is also recorded that he lived until the Caliphate of Hazrat Ali and that he participated in the Battle of Sifin alongside Hazrat Ali and passed away the same year, 37th year after Hijrah. Hazrat Mistah is the same person who was under the care of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, who arranged for his maintenance and expenses.
However, when the accusation was raised against Hazrat Aisha radiallahu anhu, Hazrat Mista was also amongst those who raised this allegation. At that time, Hazrat Abu Bakr pledged an oath that he would no longer take care of him and support him. Upon this, the following verse of the Quran was revealed. وَلَا يَأْتَلِي أُولُو الْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَنْ يُؤْتُوا أُولِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَالْيَعْفُوا وَالْيَسْفَحُوا أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ That is, and let not those who possess wealth and plenty among you swear not to give aught to the kindred and to the needy and to those who have left their homes in the cause of Allah. Let them forgive and pass over the offense. Do you not desire that Allah should forgive you? And Allah is most forgiving, merciful. Hence, this verse was revealed, and as a result of it, Hazrat Abu Bakr once again took up his care and supported him. Furthermore, when Allah the Exalted revealed the verses regarding the exoneration of Hazrat Aisha, those who raised the accusation were also punished. According to some narrations, Hazrat Mista was amongst those people who raised this allegation against Hazrat Aisha and who were instructed to be handed lashes by the Holy Prophet In relation to this allegation, the Promised Messiah states the following, This is a historic event indeed. As a matter of fact, this is not historic, but an important incident, which contains a lesson for Muslims. And as such, it has been mentioned in great detail. Furthermore, Allah the Exalted has also revealed verses in the Holy Quran in relation to this. Nevertheless, the Promised Messiah states, God Almighty has included in His attributes that He postpones His warnings of impending punishment as a result of repentance, seeking forgiveness, prayers and charity. Similarly, He has also taught man these very morals. After mentioning this incident, the Promised Messiah has mentioned the difference between a warning and a promise. The Promised Messiah then states, as it is proven from the Holy Qur'an and the Ahadith, i.e. sayings of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, that some simple-minded companions also joined the hypocrites who raised this absurd allegation against Hazrat Aisha out of their evil and wickedness. The intention of those companions was not to create disorder, rather they merely joined as a result of their simple-mindedness. One of the companions used to eat two meals a day from the home of Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. Upon this mistake of his, Hazrat Abu Bakr took an oath and pledged in the form of a warning that as a punishment for this inappropriate deed, he will never feed him a meal again. Subsequently, this verse was revealed that وَالْيَعْفُوا وَالْيَسْفَحُوا أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu abandoned this pledge and offered him food as normal. On this very premise, 
It has been included among Islamic morals, which has been mentioned here by the Promise of Islam, that if one makes a pledge in the form of a warning, it is a good moral quality to abandon it. By way of example, the Promise of Islam explains what is meant by a warning by saying, For instance, if a person makes an oath in relation to his servant that he will most certainly hit him with a shoe fifty times, it is an Islamic tradition to forgive him if he repents and supplicates. This is so that he may adopt the attributes of God Almighty. However, breaking a promise is not permitted. One will be asked about the promises they broke, but abandoning a warning will not be questioned. A promise is an oath which is made keeping in mind all the negative and positive aspects, and it is necessary for one to fulfill it. If one breaks it, they will be answerable, or they will be punished for it. According to a narration in Sahih Bukhari, mentioning the details of the incident of the false accusation, Hazrat Aisha narrates the following. As this is important, I am also mentioning the details here. She narrates, It was a custom of the Holy Prophet that when he intended to embark on a journey, he used to draw lots amongst his wives. Then he would take along with him the one on whom the lot fell. On one occasion before a battle, he drew lots in the same manner, and the lot fell on me. As that Aisha states that her name emerged from the lot, and so she accompanied the Holy Prophet This was the time when injunctions on parda, i.e. observing the veil, had already been revealed. Hence, during this journey, I would sit in a litter, i.e. a covered seat, and it would be placed on the back of a camel with me, inside it, and wherever a halt was made, it would be placed on the ground. She further states, When the Holy Prophet ﷺ sat back after having finished from his expedition, and we approached near the city of Medina, one night the Holy Prophet ﷺ ordered for the departure. When I heard this announcement, I also began to walk and went ahead of the army in order to attend to the call of nature and returned after I had finished. Since she had to attend to the call of nature, therefore she walked away to one side. When I returned to my camel, I touched my chest and found that my necklace made from black sapphire had been lost. I went back in search of it and was delayed a short while. In the meantime, those who had been appointed to lift my litter and place it on the back of a camel arrived. And assuming that I was in the litter, lifted it and placed it on the camel. Hazrat Aisha further states, In that era, women were light in weight, and flesh did not accumulate their bodies in abundance, as they used to eat only a little food. The attendants, therefore, did not suspect that I was not already in the litter. Hazrat Aisha then further says, They lifted it. Furthermore, at that time, I was still a young girl. In any case, when I returned after finding my necklace, lo and behold, the army had left, and the plain was empty. I became extremely worried, but I thought to myself 
that I should remain at my place, because when people realized that I had been left behind, they would surely return. Therefore I sat on my spot and was soon overcome by sleep. Now it so happened that Safwan bin Muttal was a companion whose duty was to stay behind the army, so that fallen items, etc., could be safeguarded. When he arrived from behind the army and reached my resting place before dawn, he found me sleeping there alone. Since he had already seen me prior to the revelation of the injunctions relevant to Parda, he recognized me immediately, upon which he became flustered and said, Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He then brought the camel near to me and I mounted it. He then began to walk leading the camel by its halter. As Aisha further states, we finally reached the place where the Muslim army had set up camp. This is the account due to which those who were to be ruined, ruined themselves. In other words, people started to level allegations against Hazrat Aisha and began issuing wrong statements about her. Hazrat Aisha further states, the key proponent who was responsible for spreading this slander was Abdullah bin Abay bin Slul. After this we reached Medina, and it so happened that as soon as we arrived, I fell ill, and this illness lasted for one month. During this time, the forged statements of the slanderers were noised widely, and rumours were spread. However, until then I had absolutely no notion of this calumny. However, one thing I did notice that led me to suspect something was not right was that during my period of illness, the Holy Prophet ﷺ did not extend to me the usual affection and kindness that I was accustomed to. She says that during my illness, I did not receive the same affection from the Holy Prophet ﷺ that I would normally. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ would visit me, he would only say, "Assalamu alaikum and then inquire about my health from my parents. I was completely unaware of this allegation. I remained unaware to the point that I had recovered from my illness and was still in a state of weakness, and it was not until me and Umimista went towards the direction of Mina to attend to the call of nature. In those days we used to leave home in the night, and this was before the time we had made lavatories close to our home. In those days people would go outside of their homes to attend to the call of nature and women would go in the evening when it was nightfall. As Aisha further states, In those days we followed the traditional customs of the Arabs and would go into the jungle to attend the call of nature. Me and Umimista bint Abi Ruham were both going when all of a sudden she stumbled over her outer garment and stumbled and said, Woe be to Mr. I said, What an awful thing you have uttered. Do you say something unpleasant about one who participated in the battle of Badr? Upon this she replied, O innocent young lady, have you not heard the rumours people have spread? It was then that I learnt of the allegation which was being propagated about me. I had recovered from my illness and was still in a state of weakness. But upon hearing this, my illness worsened. When I returned home, the Holy Prophet ﷺ came to visit me as usual and said, Assalamu alaikum, 
How are you feeling now? I sought permission from the Holy Prophet to go to my parents' home. As I wanted to find out from them about what was being said about me. The Holy Prophet ﷺ granted permission. And I went to them and inquired of my mother about what people were saying. My mother said, O oh daughter, do not worry yourself about this. By God, it is common that when a person has a beautiful wife whom he loves, and he also has other wives, the other women say something against her. I spontaneously said, Holy is Allah. Are people actually saying these things about me? Then I began to weep, and my tears would not stop. I did not sleep all night. At dawn I was still weeping for such a huge allegation had been leveled against me. In the morning, the Holy Prophet ﷺ called Ali bin Abi Talib and Osama bin Zayd to seek their counsel in regard to leaving his wife and severing his relation with her because there had been quite a delay in revelation being sent down, as there had been an allegation raised against her, should he continue or not. Owing to the Holy Prophet ﷺ's love for his wives, Osama submitted, O Messenger of Allah, Aisha is your wife, and by God, we know nothing but goodness with respect to Aisha. As Aisha states, However, Ali bin Abi Talib, who was a little haste in his nature, said, O Messenger of Allah, Allah the Exalted has not put you in difficulty, and there are plenty of women other than her. Hazrat Ali anhu then said, Nonetheless, inquire of the household maid. Perhaps she knows something and may be able to tell you the actual truth. Upon this, the Holy Prophet called Barida and inquired, Have you ever seen anything in Aisha as may be considered suspicious? Barida responded, I swear by that God who has sent you with the truth. I have never seen anything evil about her, except that on account of her young age, she is a bit careless. It often happens that she leaves the dough exposed and falls in such deep sleep that goats come and consume it. By citing this example, she proved her innocence from any evil, but said she had a weakness of being overcome by sleep. On the same day, the Holy Prophet ﷺ addressed his companions and complained about Abdullah bin Ubay bin Sulul, for he had propagated this allegation. The Holy Prophet ﷺ said, I have been given great grief with respect to my wife. Is there anyone from among you who can take care of such an individual? By God, I know nothing of my wife except piety and goodness. Moreover, I also consider the man who has been mentioned in this connection to be pious. 
referring to Hazrat Aisha and the other person who was accused in this incident. He has never come to my home in my absence. Upon hearing this address of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, Sa'ad bin Mu'az stood up and submitted, O Messenger of Allah, I shall seek revenge against the individual who has raised such an allegation. If this person is from our tribe, we consider him worthy of death and shall sever his head at once. If he is from our brethren, i.e. from the Khazraj tribe, even still we are prepared to do as you command. Upon this, Sa'ad bin Ubadah, chief of the Khazraj tribe, stood up, and though he was a righteous man, at the time he was overcome by the honor of his tribe, and said, You have spoken a lie. By God, you shall not kill a man from our tribe, nor do you possess the power to do so. Thereafter they began to argue with one another. Upon this, Usaid bin Uzair stood up and addressed Sa'ad bin Ubadah, saying, You are a liar. By God, we shall surely kill the one who has made this allegation. He even said, In fact, you are a hypocrite, for you argue on behalf of the hypocrites. This exchange of remarks incensed some from among the Aus and Khazraj, and an altercation almost broke out. to the extent that although no fighting took place, they were close to doing so. But the Holy Prophet ﷺ came down from the pulpit and admonished everyone and diffused the situation. Everyone then fell silent, and the Holy Prophet ﷺ also remained silent. The narration from Bukhari continues. It is quite a lengthy narration. Zadaisha further states, My state was the same as usual, in that my tears would not stop, nor could I sleep. My parents were also with me, and I remained as such for two whole nights and one day. I felt as if my liver would burst into pieces and I would die. I was sitting by my parents in this very state, weeping, when a lady from the Ansar sought permission and entered, and began to weep with me in a sympathetic manner. At this, the Messenger of Allah وسلم, arrived in the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr and sat down next to me. This was the first day that he had sat down with me after the calumny. Prior to this, the Holy Prophet did not sit next to Hazrat Aisha. He would inquire about her health from afar and return or ask through the maid. And when she had returned back home, he would go there and inquire about her. As Aisha further states, A month had elapsed, but no divine revelation had been sent down in my case. For a whole month since the allegation, the Holy Prophet ﷺ did not come and sit next to me. But on that day, he did, and was waiting for God Almighty to reveal something. Hazrat Aisha then states, The Holy Prophet ﷺ recited the kalama, praised God, then addressing me, he said, O Aisha, I have been informed such and such about you. If you are innocent, I trust that God shall affirm your innocence. If, however, you have committed a mistake, you should seek forgiveness from God and bow before Him. Because when a person bows before God confessing his sin, Allah accepts his repentance and shows mercy to him.
when the Holy Prophet had finished his address, I noticed that my tears had dried away completely and there was absolutely no sign of them. At that time, I looked to my father, Hazrat Abu Bakr and asked him to respond on my behalf. But he said, By God, I do not know what to say in response to the Holy Prophet. She of course wanted him to affirm her innocence. I then turned to my mother to respond on my behalf, but she also said, By God, I do not know what to say in response to the Holy Prophet. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu then states, At the time, I was a young girl and did not know much of the Quran. But I said, By God, I am aware that certain things which people have rumoured about me have reached you, i.e. that this heinous allegation has been levelled against me, and you have been affected by these statements. In fact, you have considered them to be true. Hazrat Aisha says, Rather, you have considered them to be true. Hence, if I advocate my innocence, and God surely knows I am innocent indeed, however, you shall doubt me since this rumour has been propagated so much. But if I accept myself as being guilty, despite my being innocent, and God Almighty also being aware of my innocence, you shall believe me. If she admits to it, then he may think that there was truth behind it. She then says, By God, I find myself in the same situation of the father of Joseph, who said, Patience is better for me, and it is Allah alone whose help I seek. This is what Hazrat Jacob said to the brothers of Joseph, that it is Allah alone whose help he seeks against what people assert. Hazrat Aisha states, I quoted this verse, and then I turned to the other side and sat on my bed, hoping for God Almighty to reveal my innocence. She knew that she was innocent, and God Almighty would establish her innocence. However, by God, I never thought that a revelation would be revealed in my favour. I knew that God Almighty would declare my innocence, but never thought a revelation would be sent down. I did not consider myself worthy that a Quranic revelation would be sent down to clear me of the charges and that God Almighty would declare my innocence in such a manner whereby he would manifest his word. I thought that perhaps the Messenger of Allah would be shown a vision in which he would declare my innocence. Hazrat Aisha further states, However, by God, the Holy Prophet had not yet left this sitting, nor had any other person of the household left. He began to receive a revelation, and he was overtaken by the arduous state which he would experience upon the receipt of divine revelation. He would sweat so much that even on a cold day 
he would be dripping with sweat. After some time this state left him, the Holy Prophet smiled and looked towards me, saying, O Aisha, show gratitude to God, for he has affirmed your innocence. At this my mother spontaneously said, O Aisha, get up and go to the Messenger of Allah. However, I said that I will not go to him, and nor will I be thankful to anyone but God Almighty. God Almighty had revealed that verily those who brought forth the lie was a party from among you. When my innocence had been affirmed by God Almighty through divine revelation, Hazrat Abu Bakr, who would grant regular support to Mr. bin Usasa due to his kinship, swore that as Mr. had taken part in slandering Aisha, he would no longer render him this support. However, shortly thereafter, the verses of Surah Nur were revealed. The translation is as follows. I have already quoted the verse previously. And let not those who possess wealth and plenty among you swear not to give aught to the kindred and to the needy and to those who have left their homes in the cause of Allah. Let them forgive and pass over the offense. Do you not desire that Allah should forgive you? And Allah is most forgiving, merciful. Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, Indeed, by God, I desire for my sins to be covered and that God Almighty forgives me. Thus the allowance Mr. used to receive was reinstated. Moreover, prior to my being absolved, the Holy Prophet ﷺ inquired of Hazrat Zainab bin Tajahash as to her opinion of me after what had happened. She responded by saying, O Messenger of Allah, I seek to protect my eyes and ears from evil. Thus I consider Aisha to be a pious and God-fearing lady. By seeking to protect her eyes and ears meant that she could not utter anything false on the account of them, and thus she found Aisha to be a pious lady. Hazrat Aisha further states, This was despite the fact that from among all the wives of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, Zainab was the only one who competed with me. However, due to her virtue, Allah the Exalted saved her from taking part in this calumny. However, her sister Humna bin Tajash was siding with those who had spread the rumors and perished alongside them. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has mentioned this incident of Hazrat Aisha in Sirit Khatman Nabiyin, which I have already mentioned from Bukhari. The additional aspect mentioned therein is that she narrated When the companion said Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un I looked and immediately covered my face with my scarf as the commandment regarding the veil had already been revealed. By God, he did not speak a word to me. He did not say anything. 
and I did not hear any other words uttered by him apart from these, i.e., surely to Allah we belong, and to him shall we return. Following this, he brought his camel forward, made it kneel down near me, and placed his foot on both of its knees, so that it did not stand up all of a sudden. Subsequently, I mounted the camel. As Hazrat Aisha has mentioned, that the revelation of God, the exalted in relation to her, was of great importance to her. Hazrat Aisha says, This revelation was of great significance to me, as I was not expecting it. In any case, this was a very important incident, and there was a grave allegation being raised against a family member of the Holy Prophet. Hazrat Aisha held an exalted status. And one of the reasons for this was that the Holy Prophet ﷺ had stated about her that I received the most revelations in the house of Aisha. And due to the revelation of a specific portion of Surah An-Nur, which contained detailed instructions for the believers regarding their reaction towards those who had falsely accused her, Hence, there are 10 or 11 verses of the Holy Qur'an which address this matter. Apart from what I have already mentioned from the Hadith, now I would like to mention what Hazrat Muslimaud said about the verse which Hazrat Aisha mentioned. However, firstly, I will share the verse under comment. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ عُصْبَةٌ مِّنْكُمْ لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ لِكُلِّ امْرِئٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَكْتَسَبَ مِنَ الْإِثْمِ وَالَّذِي تَوَلَّى كِبْرَهُ مِنْهُمْ لَهُ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Verily, those who brought forth the lie are a party from among you. Think it not be an evil for you. Nay, it is good for you. Every one of them shall have his share of what he has earned of the sin. And he among them who took the chief part therein shall have a grievous punishment. This verse is followed by others in which further details have been mentioned. As a Muslim further writes, When they arrived in Medina, Abdullah bin Ubay bin Salul and his associates began to spread rumors that, God forbid, Hazrat Aisha remained behind intentionally and that she had a relationship with Safwan. the companion who had brought her afterwards to Medina on a camel. He writes, This rumor was repeated so much that some companions, out of their misjudgment, started to believe that this was true. One such companion was Hassan bin Sabit, another one was Mistah bin Usasa, and a female companion named Hamna bin Jash, who was the Holy Prophet's sister-in-law. Hazrat Aisha was shocked for being left behind to the extent that she became ill after returning to Medina. 
Since she was very young, the fear of being left alone in the jungle caused her to become ill. This is what she was going through, and at the same time, the hypocrites continued to spread rumors, which eventually reached the Holy Prophet Due to her illness, the Holy Prophet did not ask Hazrat Aisha about the allegations being raised by the hypocrites. At the same time, the rumors were spreading day by day. Hazrat Aisha then states, I was astonished to see the Holy Prophet when he would return home. His face looked indifferent and he would not speak to me. She states he would seem extremely worried and would ask others about her condition, then leave. She states, I sought his permission one day and left for my parents' house. And that is where the incident took place, as she left to relieve herself with another woman who was her relative and would also go with her. The lady mentioned the name of her son, Mr., and said, May he be ruined. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Aisha inquired, Why would you say such a thing? The woman responded, Why should I not say such things? Are you not aware of what he has been saying? Hazrat Muslimah states, This woman was looking for an opportunity to mention to Hazrat Aisha the things that were being said and what she was being accused of because she was not aware of this. When Hazrat Aisha heard about this, she became distressed. She returned home and as it was mentioned before, she had not fully recovered but knowing what was being said about her increased her illness. Nonetheless, he continues to narrate the incident. The Holy Prophet ﷺ called Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Ali and Usama bin Zayd for consultation in regards to what to do about this matter. Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usama bin Zayd both stated, This is a false accusation which has been spread by the hypocrites. There is no truth to it whatsoever. However, Hazrat Ali, who was slightly haste in his nature, stated, Whether it is true or not, what is the need of maintaining relations with a woman who has been accused of such an allegation? At the same time, as it was already been mentioned, he also said, You could ask her maid. If there is something, she would know. Therefore, the Holy Prophet ﷺ asked Barida, Hazrat Aisha's maid, Are you aware of any flaws in Aisha? She responded, Apart from her habit of falling asleep due to her tender age, there are no flaws in her. She narrated the same incident which was mentioned before. She falls asleep quickly and falls into deep sleep. After listening to this, the Holy Prophet ﷺ came outside and gathered the companions. Then he said, Who shall guard me from the person who has caused me this pain? The Holy Prophet ﷺ was speaking about Abdullah bin Abay bin Salul, who had caused him this pain. As Asad bin Muaz, who was the chief of the Aus tribe, stood up and said, O Messenger of Allah, we are ready to kill that person if he is amongst us. If he is amongst the Khazraj, even then we are ready to kill him. As a Muslim old states, Satan is constantly in search of opportunities to cause mischief, and he did not let this occasion pass either. The Khazraj tribe were unaware of just how much grief this caused the Holy Prophet So when Saad bin Muaz spoke up,
other tribes became incensed. Saad bin Abadas then stood up, telling Saad bin Maaz, You would never kill one of our people. You do not have the strength to do so. During this exchange of words, another companion stood up and said, We will kill him and see who tries to protect him. As a Muslim old further writes, This confrontation did not remain confined to mere words. It escalated to the point where the people of Aws and Khazraj tribes began drawing their swords from their sheaths and were close to fighting one another. It was only with great difficulty that the Holy Prophet was able to calm them down. The Aws tribe said that they would kill whoever had grieved the Holy Prophet, whereas the Khazraj tribe claimed that this was not being said out of their sincerity, as the Aws tribe were well aware that the person was from among the Khazraj tribe and that this was the only reason why they made such a claim. Nonetheless, it is well documented that the Holy Prophet had love for both of these tribes, but Satan has caused mischief and discord between the two of them. As the Muslim al writes, that anyone can easily understand how delicate the situation was at the time. On the one side, the Holy Prophet had been afflicted with so much misery, and on the other side, the state of affairs between the Muslims had reached the point where swords were being raised. Hence, it is Satan who causes such disarray even amongst people of pious nature. As a Muslim al further states that the incident, as related by Hazrat Aisha, when she was asked about the event, in reply she said, If I accept what they assert, I will be lying, and if I plead my innocence, the people will not believe me. Hence, at this point, I will only repeat what Jacob, the father of Joseph, said, فَصَبْرٌ جُمِيلٌ وَاللَّهُ الْمُسْتَعَانُ So comely patience is good for me, and it is Allah alone whose help is to be sought. Hazrat Aisha then says, I stood up and went over to my bed. Soon after, this verse which I recited earlier were revealed. These were, Verily those who brought forth the lie are a party from among you. Think it not be an evil for you. Nay, it is good for you. Because through this, the punishment of those who labelled allegations would soon come to light, and also you have been bestowed a wise teaching. Indeed, every one of them shall have his share of what he has earned of the sin, and he among them who took the chief part therein shall have a grievous punishment. Nevertheless, after this revelation, the Holy Prophet's face began to irradiate. Hazrat Aisha says that her mother told her to stand and thank the Holy Prophet, but she said that she would only thank God Almighty. Nonetheless, as has been mentioned earlier, as a Muslim has also explained this in one of his sermons by saying, Due to labeling allegations against Hazrat Aisha, three people received lashes. From among them, one was Hassan bin Sabit, who was poet laureate to the Holy Prophet One was Mista, who was the cousin of Hazrat Abu Bakr from his aunt's side. He was so poor that he lived in the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr. He would eat from there and Hazrat Abu Bakr would make clothes for him. The third person was a woman. All three received punishments, which is also mentioned in Sunan Abi Daud.
According to some narrations, they receive punishment, whereas others are of the opinion that they did not receive punishment. Nonetheless, irrespective of whether he received punishment or not, God Almighty forgave him. He received punishment that was for this world, but as I mentioned earlier, he participated in later expeditions. He was a Badri companion, and therefore Hazrat Mista held a lofty status. God Almighty ensured he had a pious end and preserved his elevated rank. May Allah the Almighty continue to elevate his status. Alhamdulillah Alhamdulillah Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiruhu wa n'aminu bihi wa natawakkalu alayhi wa na'uzu billahi min shuri anfusina wa min sayyati amalina من يعده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله ونشهد أن محمدا مبدو ورسوله إباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل واللسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم وَذُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ يَقْبَرُ